Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 223. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw on the mic. How are you, Kevin? Yeah, pretty good. Get excited about your little I'm pup-pup? So, I'm so excited about my pup-pup. That's, that's oh, great. Oh, 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 oh. So what, what made you decide on the schnauzer? Um, my wife is extremely allergic to dogs. So I'm trying to get a dog that, you know, won't essentially kill her mm. with allergies. Uh, so it kind of makes it kind of, you know, narrows down the yeah. field. Yeah. Schnauzer's on there and then, then we found a schnauzer and we checked it out. So wait, hold on. How does she know, like, are they... How does she know that that's that she's not allergic to them? Are they like they're like yeah, hypoallergenic yeah. dogs? Yeah, they say that like some breeds are hypoallergenic, but obviously this not a hundred percent. Right. So you essentially like narrows it down, and then you pick one of those, and then we you know we go check the dog out, play with see it for a little reaction. bit, yeah, see, see what happens. <laughs> huh. And I guess everything was okay. Everything was. It, it wasn't like 100% okay. You know, she broke out a little bit, but it wasn't It wasn't like a, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to live like this type of deal. Okay, so you're you're just hoping that she gets an immunity? It's kind of. It's kind of a plan. It's probably not going to happen. Oh, that's cool. Schnauzers are great dogs. It's been a while since I had a dog, so kind of excited. I'm more of a cat person, but I can't have a cat because there's no such thing as like brought cats. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, I'm not very allergic to, to animals. I don't, I don't have many allergies, but I remember our, one of our friends at one point had he had like eight cats in his head. I'm talking about Justin. He had like eight cats and every time I'd go over there, I would just break out in hives so bad. <laughs> I think just because there was so much cat. <laughs> so many cats. There was so much cat going on in that house. Yeah. That I just, my body could not take it. Yeah, sometimes it's just, it, if there's like an overload of cat, it doesn't matter. It, even if you're not allergic to cats whatsoever, I think it's just, once you hit like peak cat, yeah, it just kicks it's, in no matter yeah, what. No matter what, you're, you're, you're breathing in that dander. You're yeah. getting the dander. You can't get away from it. No, it's everywhere. It's like it's it's in the it's in the the couch, the cloth, the fibers. It's just ugh. anyway. This week on the show, we got two reviews lined up with you with uh, Ben Cressman's Sunchoke, along with Christopher Avedesian's Donald Cry. Uh, we'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Uh, I didn't. I didn't gather up any news bits for this week. Uh, other than a couple, there were a couple trailers that came out. Uh, the, the teaser trailer for Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan's next movie, came out. Did you happen Ooh. to to catch this this one? No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even see that it came out. Yeah, it's just a teaser. It's a very just a it's a short little teaser. I saw it in front of a Suicide is, Squad. Is it, are they? Do, do they happen to be like storming a beach? No, uh, uh, no, it's, it's, it's a really short teaser of, uh, the army and they're like held up 
uh, I think in maybe like a U-boat or something. And they just, the camera kind of just stays fixed on them and they, they have like their heads down. And then you hear like what sounds like a bomb being dropped or a plane that's about to like dive bomb them. Mm-hmm. And you just see one guy look up and then gradually you see all the other guys look up and then they all duck. And that's kind of the end of it. It looks, it, it's me describing it does it no justice at all, <laughs> but it looks like it's going to be great. I'm sure it will be. So. Uh yeah, check check that one out. I would say, yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, the Handmaiden got a new trailer too, which uh, looks pretty excellent. Park Chan Wook, boy, yeah, I'm very excited for that one. Oh boy, heard nothing but great things. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into our first review. I was thinking we could go with uh, w- w- which one? You you pick. I, it's, it doesn't matter to me. Let's do let's. Let's get Sunchoke. Let's get that one. Okay. Let's do that real quick. All right. So Sunchoke. This is written and directed by Ben Cressman. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Janie's just trying to get well. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I love that. I love that synopsis. Like, I think there should be more synopses like that. If it's just just real, it's real short. Yeah, just short to the point. This stars uh, Barbara Crampton and Sarah Hagen. I feel like I haven't seen Sarah Hagen in a while. I think the last thing I saw her in was uh, was uh, what was that movie called Jess and Jess and Moss? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you see that one? I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that was that was a uh, pretty good. I liked that. Uh, so, do you want to start it off, or do you want me to kick kick off Sunchoke? I kind of want you to kick it off because I'm just. I really want to know what the hell you thought about Sunchoke. I, I liked Sunchoke, so okay. uh, I, I thought that this was a a very uh, interesting, very taut thriller. Um, I, I like the fact that that Ben Cressman doesn't he doesn't hold your hand. He just you kind of go into this thing. Like I knew nothing about this movie going into it. Nothing. Yeah, uh, same here. All I knew is that I knew the cast. And that's pretty much all I knew. I knew that it was about somebody who was undergoing some sort of holistic treatment. That's, that's like the extent of what I knew. So uh, I thought that him, by him not, like you just kind of, the movie starts off uh, in the middle of this treatment. And you don't know what it's for. You don't know the relationship between Sarah Hagen and, and Barbara Crampton. Uh, you just have the bare minimum amount of information, and as it unfolds, you kind of learn more about uh, what's what's going on. And I found that to be kind of just very intriguing in and of itself. Uh, and then as it ramped up, uh, I felt like maybe there was a little bit. More, I wanted a little bit more information out of it, like just a, just give me a little bit more to go on here because. A lot of it, especially at the end, felt... I was a little confused about what was going was, on towards was, the end. I was extremely confused. <laughs> like, I w- really wasn't sure what was happening there at the end. And, like, I didn't quite get the motivations of Sarah Hagen, other than the fact that she seemed to have some sort of mental illness, and she had a psychotic break. I didn't understand, because essentially what happens... So, basically, it starts off with... 
Sarah Hagen undergoing this this treatment from Barbara Crampton that seems very kind of experimental. It's kind of out there. And we don't really know what it's for. And uh, it seems to be pretty drastic. So at the beginning, I was like, okay, either Barbara Crampton is uh, a horrible person, like she's just evil, or... Sarah Hagen has done something so horrifically bad that it requires this kind of treatment. Yeah. And th- that's kind of the that's kind of the back and forth because you know, one scene you'll be like I don't know, there is something wrong with her. She's up to she's up to something, but then the other scene you're just like, "Oh my god, like the scene like there was one really just which is it, yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like there's someone like uh with a with a serious mental illness trying to administer therapy onto right. another person with a serious mental yeah. illness. It's like yeah. two people with serious mental illness trying to take care of each other. And it's yeah. not really working out at all. But there were, there were just so many questions. There were just questions after questions from the beginning. Like, what is their relationship? Like, how did they meet each other? Because it seemed like... Barbara Crampton's character knew her her uh, family somehow. Yeah, yeah it was cause, like because ah. there for a while you're like, is this is she like a stepmom type thing? Is she like a nanny? I thought she was an aunt. Maybe yeah, like I, I, there's so many questions that which I think like at the I did like you said I appreciated it going in where you're just kind of dropped in with no context really no backstory none of that like you're just going in blind and just it's really ambiguous up to a certain point but i think at at a certain point it's like you kind of realize that it's not ambiguity it's just that he doesn't have a story and he's just well, been maybe, like smoke maybe. screens up until then because like after like I, I was into it i was into it for a while and then it just kind of petered out and then there's just all these like everything at the end just kind of fell apart to me, just became really just all over the place. And I had no idea who this character was anymore. I I mean, maybe that was kind of the point, but like you said, I have no idea what the motivations are. I don't know who's who. Right. Because it gets change. It's just right. Once she has her like final break, uh, she completely, it seems like she completely loses touch with reality. So a lot of what we're seeing is sort of what she sees in her head. So you're never even really sure. Yeah, and she's what, having these like what's flashbacks. What's real and what's not. And, I'm, yes. and, and there's, there's at a certain point because she's having the flashbacks and then she's having, you know, and then all, of course all throughout this time they're using all these kind of like camera tricks where it, it's kind of shaky and going fuzzy and the focus is going in and out and all this stuff. And it's just like... At a certain point, it's, I'm kind of thinking to myself, I don't know if you know what you what movie you want to make. It seems like you're kind of confused. Like maybe just <laughs> take a moment and get back to me, and then you know we can get together at some point in time, and you I, stop wasting my time. I mean, that that could be true, but I, I feel like he had. I think he had a vision, but I just think that it was that it got muddled, and I feel like he. Yeah, was too yeah. abstract with well, and what the, the story he was telling. Because I think of, there's two ways that I see ambiguity. When it's done really well, which is someone has the the story 
the 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 reality of the film of you know everything about it it's all mapped out and they have all of it taken care of backstory everything if you ask them a question they have it but they just don't put it in the movie but they have thought about it and thought through everything right and then there's other films where they don't have they just have some stuff and then they're like well we'll kind of like shroud an ambiguity and maybe that will just that'll take care of some of these like uh you know these holes in the narrative yeah and that's but what i, I kind of felt with this one yeah i i agree i but i think that with that that train of thought i think that it can be there that's that's very subjective i mean well, i feel yeah. like i feel like you can look at that anybody can look at that one way or the other but i do agree with you completely like for for me the ambiguity of this film uh it didn't it didn't affect me that way like i i First of all, uh, I wasn't yearning for answers. Like I think that I would have come away from this uh, with a with a bigger appreciation for it if I did get some more answers. But it didn't frustrate me like some movies. And it also, like I think that that what happened with you is that that he was just like you know throwing it all against the wall, and he was just like, well, we'll just leave that. We'll we'll let the audience figure that one out, yeah. and and I think and I agree that I think that it can be used as a crutch for some filmmakers. And the other thing, because interestingly enough, even though I say all this, that wasn't the thing that irritated me the most. Like I would have been pretty much okay with it, you know. Like you're saying, I'm not really yearning for answers. You know, I don't need this to be laid out and mapped out for me. And the thing, the thing that got me the most is there's just like there didn't really seem to be that much life to it. Like there was just so much of this, like the slowness of everything, and then the 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 line delivery of everyone is kind of like this really slow, almost mm-hmm. whispered. Like there was there was someone in the house that we don't see that no one wanted to wake up, so they were all just trying to be as quiet as possible. And not make too much noise to wake this person up that we never see. And I just wanted some more life in the damn movie. I think that that probably goes to the whole treatment thing. Like the whole the whole point of it was to keep her calm, to keep her her faculties uh, at an even keel, and to to try to give her a soothing life. Yeah, create a soothing reality for her. So I think that that kind of goes to why that why they spoke the way that they did and all of that but like i felt like the dialogue was very stiff like it it was very methodical it didn't necessarily feel natural to me but um that that wasn't a huge well, also kind problem of, area for me though it also kind of felt repetitive because you're not really giving me too many answers to you know what they're trying to cure right and and with, so they keep just going over this like the yoga stuff and the tuning fork and this and that. And I'm like, I don't know what, like why, like what, right, right. what's the aim of this? I don't know what you're trying to fix. I don't know what she's suffering from. It's just right. Barbara Crampton hitting a tuna fork again <laughs> while you're laying on a couch. Like, I okay, I guess. I gotta it, say, I, I feel like Barbara Crampton's having a bit of a comeback here. It seems like it. Like she's... She was kind of gone for a while there, and I feel like she's she's really been doing some some pretty interesting things between this and we're still here. Like she's she's making a little bit of a, a little renaissance. 
for Barbara Crampton. I I really enjoy that. That's I think that's fantastic because I thought she was really good in this. Yeah, she was good. She uh, was uh, Sarah Hagen. Yeah, Sarah Hagen's Sarah Hagen was good too. I think I think that was this was a, a good role for her for Sarah Hagen. I just to me a lot of it just a lot of it felt flat. Yeah, because there's that. there's it, nothing that really like caught me off guard. You know, that like wowed me creatively speaking. I mean, it seems like it's well constructed enough, except for that where it just kind of falls apart. Yeah. Like I mean, there's, through, there's, so. like, there's one thing, and I don't think this is a, a, a spoiler by any means, but one of the main areas of this is that uh, the Barbara Crampton, her character of Irma, allows Sarah Higgins' character, Janie, to, she, she allows her to leave. It's not like she's being held prisoner. She, so she allows her to go out, and every time she goes out, she's essentially stalking this other woman. Yeah, and everything just falls apart. And I'm just, and, and like, with that, I, I had so many questions. Like, how does she know her? Like, what, did, did I miss something with that, Why, yeah, that like whole one, relationship? One, and two, there's something that happens where it's like the shocking, which to me was just nonsensical. They just like knock on someone's door. Yeah. And just, I mean, like, would, if, if, if you're that man. <laughs> would, yeah. <laughs> like, no. Uh-uh. I mean, I'm not going to say he deserved what happened to him, but like, <laughs> come on, dude. You got, <laughs> you got to have, you got to set up some, you know. <laughs> you can't just, like, okay, let's do this. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty shocked by the level of, brutal violence that occurs in this movie i wasn't expecting that because like i said i really had no idea of what this was yeah how how this was going to unfold going into it i mean it was kind of shocking but at the same point like the first one the the bashing if you will that just like to me that just came out of nowhere and was made no sense to me whatsoever it's just like okay that was i guess violence for no reason well i don't know like I, I've learned nothing. I have no well, idea was, what is that happening. That was that was uh, Janie, I guess, trying to make sure that who's who's the girl Savannah, making sure that Savannah was like all all hers. You know, it was like get rid of get rid of the boyfriend. Yes, because she was jealous and lashed out. But yeah, I mean. There was some definitely some some erratic behavior going on in this movie. Extremely erratic behavior. Some very very erratic behavior. But it's it's funny though because I was like, wow, this uh, as intense as this treatment is, it is not working. No, this treatment it's, is it's, not it's, working. It failed like <laughs> what the first day that she was left outside. Yeah. Like, and why did you continue? Because I think like the second day she came back like an hour and a half late. You got to be like, okay, I. You know, I let you go outside. Yeah, it was too soon. Too soon for it's this. It's not working. It's not working. And it would, you know, how long have you been administered in this, this therapy? How long have we been doing this? I, th- that's a good question. I, would, I have no idea. It seemed like a while. It felt like they were doing it for a while. But I'm also not exactly sure what happened to cause the need for the therapy. Like, there was one or maybe even more than one flashback that kind of, I, f- I feel like maybe it kind of alluded to it, yeah. but, but uh, I, I don't really know what exactly th- that was all about. 
So yeah. it's it's just um, it just it, I mean number one it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Which I'll readily admit I don't really care. It doesn't need to make sense. I don't give two shits if it makes sense. It's just that not only does it not make sense, it's just not really that interesting. Because you know if you're not going to make sense, at least just make it like off the wall and just at least hold my interest. Yeah, I was. Uh, it held my interest. I was. I was fairly into it. Uh, pretty mu- pretty much the whole the whole time. So uh, I wish I wish that uh, some things had a more kind of uh, definitive answer to them. Like I, I wish that maybe a little bit a little bit of clarification was done. Uh, but overall, I still think it was it was fine. It was uh, to me it was an entertaining little thriller well and also you're administering this like hardcore therapy whatever it is i don't even know if it has a name i don't think so i think it's, at times i thought she was just winging it i think she was too i just i don't think i don't really think herman knew what she was doing <laughs> which i mean obviously you find out that she didn't no because none of it worked but the the like uh, hide hide your scissors better if you got to do like all this crazy ass shit therapy yeah. wise, number one, there's why do you have those big old school scissors? Big, big rusty old there's scissors. Things are dangerous. Get like, rid of those. No, no one has those. <laughs> no one has those except for like seventy year olds. Okay, so get rid of that shit. Like you shouldn't have that kind of stuff in your house. And then also just protect your neck. As the Wu Tang explains. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Wu Tang can teach you a lot about how to live life. And that's one of the main things that they teach is protecting neck. Yep. All right. Uh, that's Sunchoke. Uh, Ken reviewed this for us on the site. He gave it a seven and a half out of ten. I'm gonna throw out a six out of ten on this one. Kevin, what are you gonna give Sunchoke? I'm gonna give Sunchoke a four and a half. Four and a half out of ten. Kevin. Sunchokes. It's I like it's it's named after a vegetable. Oh, yeah. yeah. Aren't sunchokes a vegetable? I have no idea. Sunchokes. I'm looking it up. Like the sunchokes. Is it like a, it like a high, some sort of artichoke uh, in the in the artichoke family? Yeah, a Jerusalem artichoke, also called sunroot, sunchoke, earth apple. Earth apple. Earth apple. So there you go. That is not what I thought they looked like. Okay. Damn. Were they were they in the movie? I didn't notice anything. No, the only thing was she had that flashback, and that little kid was like sunchoke. Maybe that's is that part. Maybe that they were part of the drink that she had to drink. I don't know. Maybe Would that be it. Tuber, tuber, tuber. It kind of looks like uh, looks like horseradish. Hmm. Okay. Horseradish yeah. is creepy looking. I think that's a creepy looking root. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe there's something going on with with, with sun jokes. Like if I if I looked up on. I've got some Sunchoke information. It would enlighten me as to what the movie Sunchoke is about. Yeah, maybe there's like healing properties or something. Yeah, but I shouldn't have to read Jerusalem Artichoke's Wikipedia page to be enlightened. I wish I wish the movie was called Jerusalem Artichoke. That's <laughs> 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 a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Sunchoke is playing in select cities right now, and you can see this on VOD as well. Let's talk about our next movie. We're discussing Donald Cried, 
This is available now for free on FestivalScope. So you can go to festivalscope.com, sign up for a free membership there, and uh, give, it, give it a watch. It's only going to be available for, uh, what, till like the 21st or something yeah, like that? I think so. it's the, yeah, 21st. It's at that, and I forget how many. I think it's uh, Locarno Festival. Yeah. is like, I think, like 10 films on there or something that you can check out. Yeah, so be sure to check out FestivalScope. Dot com because there might be some other ones that are available for free that that might pique your interest. So this is written and directed by Chris Avedesian. I have a synopsis here. With, with sudden passing of his grandmother, Peter Latang returns to his hometown and encounters his long-lost childhood friend, Donald Trebek. <laughs> what begins as a simple favor turns into a long day's journey into the past. Uh, so... Donald Trebek is played by Chris Avedesian. So uh, I'll start off because really with this movie, it's just watching him. mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's essentially you're here for his performance as Donald Trebek. This is the Donald Trebek (laughs) show. Yeah. It is. He is. uh, He's a character. He is. uh, He's quite the character and uh, he remains interesting for an hour 25 minutes yeah oh yeah you just want to see you essentially want to see donald Trebek in any situation really (laughs) if you can think it up throw donald Trebek in there and i'll I'll more than likely watch it absolutely yeah to to see you know is he just working the night shift at the bowling alley fucking sign me up i'll watch that for an hour and a half is he is he going grocery shopping yep I'll watch it. I'll watch that. <laughs> is he shoveling his front yard? Uh, I'll watch that too. Is yeah, he, you know, uh, pretty much fant- Fantastic character. I just, almost everything he said made me laugh. <laughs> it's just, I mean, and he doesn't really have to say anything because his hair, his hair, mm-hmm. his hair alone. Yeah. And the glasses, the glasses are the perfect ensemble. Piece if you, to, if to the you, hair. if you saw the hair, and I told, and you know, I asked you like, what kind of glasses do you think oh, yeah. would go with this hair? Those That's, are the glasses. Th- those are the glasses. Yeah. If I showed you those glasses and I said, what haircut do you think would go with those glasses? That's the haircut you would pick. Yeah. Like it's a match made in heaven. It, it, yeah, it's a perfect match. Now, not only is the hair bad enough to begin with, I mean, it's just an awful haircut. I don't understand it. I don't know how you can get that bad of a haircut, but the fact that it always looks like he just woke up from sleeping <laughs> entirely on his back. Because it's all fucked up in the back and all ratty. Like, it's all matted. That's Donald Trebek. And Donald Trebek just, he has a lot of errands to do. Yeah. And they're all kind of pointless. Yeah. And you just got to stick with it. Because there's nothing you can do because you lost your fucking wallet. Yeah. Uh, this was an interesting one because I couldn't help but think about when I come, when I go to our hometown and visit, (laughs) it just reminded me so much of some of the people that, that we know that we went to high school with that are, yeah. I mean, there was just, it made me feel nostalgic in a way. And, uh, I I thought that was kind of interesting because it's about a guy who, he wanted nothing more than to leave his hometown, and he finally did. He, he moved to, to New York, and then his grandmother passes away, so he has to come back to you know take care of her affairs, and 
along the way, like like Kevin said, he loses his wallet on the bus, so he's got no money, no ID, no nothing. So he looks up his his old buddy Donald, his, his high school buddy, and uh, adventures ensue. And uh, I, I thought it was I thought this was really funny. I enjoyed this. this I thought I thought it was pretty funny too. And I was actually because it could have just stayed the way it was and just been kind of simple, like you know, odd couple style, where he's you know successful Manhattan finance guy. With his with his nice coat and his scarf and everything, hanging out with mm-hmm. his old buddy Donald Trebek, with his with his various flannels, mm-hmm. and terrible haircuts and glasses, and uh, you, you you know you that's enough right there for an hour and a half to keep you you know for the most part entertained. But the fact that they do kind of switch it up a little bit, where it, you know kind of like the reasoning why he left there is a little bit different than how it normally is. Cause normally it comes down to like, he just he hates that fucking town. He hates everyone yeah, in it. Yeah. He wants to get out, but sort of to find out that he's the biggest asshole out of all of them. And he's the fucking dick. It kind of switches yeah. it up a little bit. And then towards the end, I thought it was kind of interesting the way that where, you know, they kind of like start hanging out and the, the places that they kind of took it from there. Yeah. Because there's, there's one moment where they go to this like little hangout spot that they used to hang out in and there's something that happens down there and it was really interesting what he did with that scene because i completely thought it was going to go it was going to take a turn and go down a very dark road because everything seemed to be pointing that direction like everything seemed to be set up like because he was, because by this point we found out, we, we knew that he was a dick. We knew that he wasn't a good person. And yet Donald was, you know, treating him like a rock star. Yeah. And you thought, at least I thought like, oh man, he's, this was all a ruse. And he, he was just doing this to get, get him back, you know, get revenge on him. But uh, it, it didn't go down that path. And I'm actually kind of glad it didn't. Well, yeah, because I think that would have made it. You know, I think that would have been a bit too much. Yeah, but it does get it does get serious. It's not all you know, goofball. You know, Donald being <laughs> being ridiculous. Just, well, Donald just does some really. He makes some odd decisions. Yeah, and it seems like he's just at certain points. He seems like he's this you know just lovable goof that never grew up. And then there's other these other times where it's like, oh shit! Like he actually has some like really like deep problems well yeah because at times you feel like he is he's very calculating like he knows like for instance towards the beginning there was this there was a scene where they go to this diner and they sit down and somebody that they knew from from high school sits down at the booth next to them and just the what donald says and it's it almost seemed like he knew like yeah because he had to know that what he was saying was completely inappropriate (laughs) And it's yeah, because because yeah, the the title stems from something that happened to Donald, and you keep thinking, you know, these things keep coming up where it's like, okay, uh, is he like, is he getting back at right. Peter, or is yeah. this like just, you don't really know? You don't really is know. He just making bizarre decisions like he always does. Everything with the grandma too, where he's like flipping through the photo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> There's the one where he's pointing right at the Yep, yep. 
<laughs> so you you always think you always think like is he just this lovable buffoon or is he really is does he know exactly what he's doing it's, it's and this, this is all part of his master plan like you never really combo. know it's this weird combo you just never know what the fuck's going on with Donald Treebeck <laughs> that's what makes him such an interesting character yeah that's I mean I've watched Donald Treebeck in any situation because you don't really know what the hell's gonna happen yeah and, and this this was an interesting one too because I, I also like Sunchoke I had no idea what this was all about going into it when in completely cold and I I didn't really know where it was going to go and the f- the first scene when he f- first starts talking to Donald and he's talking about what he imagined that he would be like <laughs> if he he was saying about his hair how his, how his long hair tells a story <laughs> <laughs> and it was at that moment where I was like, oh, "Okay, I see where this is going," and I and I'm loving this right now. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff right in that beginning, from the from the porn star poster <laughs> over his bed, and how he segues that back into his grandmother passing away, and then like you said, his his long hair telling a story where he he thought he he became. Dog the bounty hunter, and then anytime he killed someone, he would take <laughs> yeah. part of them and weave it into his hair. Yeah, weave it into his hair. <laughs> which is oh, which is so odd because I would like to know the Peter Latang from from high school that you would think because obviously us looking at Peter Latang, we would never think that. Right, right. But high school Peter Latang must have been. Uh, he a, must have been wild. Yeah, a, a completely different beast. Yeah, because they they frequently talk about what what he kind kind of what he was like in high school and he sounds were, like one of the worst people ever yeah like they were just these kind of metalheads that seemed to be just awful human beings but yeah i, I was i was surprised with this one I, I it was definitely my kind of indie comedy for sure well it's and it's interesting too because it's one of those that if you take out the character of Donald Trebek. Like this myth, there's there's nothing to this movie. No, there is there is no movie. There it's, is no it's movie. Just, it's just it's all Donald Trebek. No, yeah, you're right. But I mean I was there's nothing yeah, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I mean the whole the whole movie was about Donald and what a character he is. This this movie kind of reminded me of a um uh Joel Petroikis movie, like Buzzard or one of those. Yeah, better i think yeah i think so it's a better it, better, it just, better character I, I love these comedies that take place in kind of like middle america you know <laughs> it did kind of remind me of going back to york yeah about how like when he comes back like he has this whole different life you know he probably has different friends he just he lives a completely different life and then he comes back and like he said, he goes, I don't like the person that I become when I'm here. And it's like, you, you come back and it's like, nothing has changed. There's still all the same kind of high school level drama that was taking place when you left, however many decades ago. And it's like, everything is the exact same. And when you come back to it, it's like, you start to fall into that, that cycle again. And a lot of times that's how I feel when I go, when I, when I go back to, uh, Pennsylvania, it's like you start reminiscing, you, you know, you get together with your friends, you're, you're drinking, you're reminiscing, 
and like you're just hearing stories about oh remember so and so yeah he like got aids or whatever oh remember so and so he robbed a pharmacy and went to jail and it's like oh okay. yeah see that's the worst that's the worst part of it most of ours is do you remember so and so well they got arrested for this or they're dead yeah or they got arrested it's yeah. like one of the the two things or their lives have turned into like complete shit they didn't get arrested and they're not dead but they're like a room <laughs> below that yeah it's sort of like the the story that Donald tells about the guy that they knew that got cut in half. Yeah, in, which in, is, in the accident. <laughs> if you had to pick one of the brothers, <laughs> yeah, it was, was, was the right one. <laughs> oh God! Don't, just uh, treeback. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, I definitely recommend this one. I, I think if you're into the kind of lo-fi American indies. Uh, indie comedies, then I th- I think that there is a lot to latch on to here because it's it's Donald Trebek. He's just, just he's such a make make Donald Trebek a franchise. Can we do that? So what are you what are you going to score this one? I give it I give it a seven. Okay. I'm also going to give Donald Crowd a seven out of ten. Again, you can see this for free on Festival Scope, and I I do recommend it. I think it is well worth a look. I would give I would give Donald Trebek a ten. Yes, Donald, Donald Trebek is a ten. I, I do. I am curious. I, like I, I want to see him uh, do more movies as it as an actor. Like I want to see because I feel like you could have Donald Trebek not you know not be the the specific character of Donald Trebek, but maybe somebody else that's just just acts like him. You know what I mean? It needs to be, he needs to take the Woody Allen route and just have Mm -hmm. various people play Donald Trebek. And we have to have Donald Trebek characters throughout several decades. And we just keep coming out with, you know, his name doesn't have to be Donald Trebek, but he just needs to be a character like that person. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Doing adventures in New England. Yep. Yep. Definitely. All right. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. Oh, my turn. Yeah. What have you been watching? I wasn't really ready. So okay. Let me, let me hop in here. Uh, I rewatched Memories of Murder. Oh, nice. My wife's never seen that one, and it's been forever since I saw it. So I was like, let's do it, because I haven't seen it since 2003 when it came out, I think. So um, I remember it being pretty good, but man... That's a solid movie. It's long. It is. It's a long one, but I. I mean, it remains engaging throughout. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I. I the funny thing is, is I completely forgot because, like, towards the end, I'm like, you know what? I forget who did it. Oh yeah. I forget who 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 ends up doing it. Who who it ends up being, and then like you know, there's about the 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 scene like at the the train tracks with the guy, and then I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, that's what was different about this one. And I just forgot about the number of drop kicks in this movie. <laughs> yeah, when they're like <laughs> interrogating the people and stuff. <laughs> it is drop kicking the shit they out just of kick everybody. everybody. It's fucking great. Everyone's getting kicked, just kicking people left and right. He does that drop kick down the hill when mm-hmm. he first meets the other <laughs> yeah. cop that comes in from Seoul. Like he just he, from the top of the hill to the bottom, just straight drop. I mean, that was one of the nicest drop kicks I've ever seen. 
And then there's that one that the you know the guy that the the cop that ends up getting in trouble towards the end and his career and life kind of fall apart. He does that one over the table out of nowhere where he yeah. just where he just loses it and he just comes out of nowhere and straight drop kicks that guy. Cool boy, that is a hell of a drop kick. Those two drop kicks alone, goddamn. Yeah, Memories of Murder, fantastic. Holy crap, I love that movie so much. Which it, that that was on movie, so I think it's still on there. Yeah, I would I would highly recommend checking that out. Uh, let's see, I saw Alphabet City from 1984. Was uh, I, I love these 80s New York movies. I just I can't get enough of them. <laughs> There's something about them, isn't there? I, I just I love it. I love I love movies that take place in old New York because it's just it was such a seedy, dirty place, and this this one definitely takes place in that in that environment. So. This is directed by Amos Poe, stars Vincent Spano, and uh, Michael Winslow's in there, too. Oh, yeah. The sound effects guy from Police Academy. He plays a drug dealer. Okay. Uh, Vincent, so basically, it's, uh, Vincent Spano plays this kind of big-time big time drug dealer in, in the Lower East Side, in Alphabet City, which I used to, where I used to live was right above Alphabet City. I, I lived on... First Avenue, so I was one block away from Alphabet City. Still not a great place, but back then, it was uh, really, really bad. Well, the one thing that I noticed about this movie that was, that was so funny was he would just be wandering around, going to different places, and there were just burning barrels everywhere. And I really want to know if that was an actual thing. Because, you know, you see that, especially in these 80s, uh, New York movies where there's just burning barrels all over the place. That's how you keep warm. I've never seen in yeah, real life I, yeah, a burning I, barrel like that. There are some things that you, you wonder if that's, is that a movie thing or is that like a real thing? Because yeah, you think that it has to be derived from a real thing. Yeah, but, real you know, but it could have been just like here and there, there would be a burning barrel. And then they just kind of went nuts with it. They're like, you know how, you know, certain alleys, there's homeless people setting fires in barrels. Let's just have them randomly placed throughout the city. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this movie, there were like three or four of them on every block that he would go to. They were just everywhere, just burning barrels. I, I just, I didn't really get that. Uh, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it sounds like something that should bring back. <laughs> bring back the burning barrels? <laughs> Let's bring back the burning barrels. Come on. Uh, overall, this was a pretty pretty fun movie. It had a really good soundtrack, um, which it's kind of that '80s synth soundtrack. But it was wasn't it was genuine, you know? It was the real deal. It wasn't this kind of throwback yeah, 80s yeah. synth stuff that you hear nowadays? It was like that was it was the genuine article. Uh, but this it was pretty fun. It wasn't anything amazing. It's not very memorable, but I had a good time with it. It wasn't nearly as as kind of dark and seedy as i expected it to be like it's it's pretty dark but it's more of an action movie than anything mm. either way it's uh it's a pretty fun watch so i'd give it a light recommend that's alphabet city city sounds interesting i might have to check that one out actually. it's worth a look yeah just is the the one of the things that uh i've always noticed in those you know those 80s 70s new york movies it's just the amount of trash. Oh yeah, yeah. There's just there's so just much trash, trash everywhere. Like that, that like whole like alleys, it's like knee deep trash. Yeah, I, I think that was actually a real problem. Like that was a real thing. 
I just I want to know like how or why. Like what was what was the issue back then? I don't know if there were like strikes or if they just couldn't handle it or if they like just the city have was the workforce was just really if the city was in such like financial uh like having such financial problems that there were like I don't but know. See, I'm, I'm sure there was a reason. See it. now, if you think about it a little bit, you know, city can't take care of it. Mayor's office, whatever it is, politics. You know, you know how that can be. Mm. So you have the people taking it to their own hands with barrels, fires. They just burn the trash. They're taking care of their city. That's how they do it. That's what. That's what's up with the, the burning barrels. Could be, yeah. Uh, that, that must be it. I doubt yeah. that it represents the poverty of New York at the time. <laughs> It's just, it's, it, it's the ingenuity of uh, New York's population. Yeah, we're, we're resilient people. Oh, look, I, I like how you're using the we're already. I think I've been here long enough. You have not. Give me a I break. Think, I think I have. Uh, I watched um, KWAK, or Cassandra with a K. This is from 2012. Uh, this is, uh, I have a, the uh, review up, Unsung Indie. This is my latest. This is one that I've uh, I saw on No Budge a while back, and in my review on the site, I actually have like the streaming because apparently this there's like five different cuts of this movie or six cuts, seven cuts, a ridiculous amount of cuts to this thing. Um, mm. So much so that when I I expressed how much I like this film on Twitter, the guy that made it was like, "Oh, I have a new cut coming out." Up that I've been working on. This came out in 2012, so he's still recutting this thing, and I think he's going to have one like a couple of days here. He's going to have a different version of it. The one I saw is two hours and two minutes long. On IMDb, it says an hour and 33 minutes. I didn't see that cut. The one I saw was over two hours, but I loved everything that was in the two-hour one. So I would imagine that I would like the hour and 33-minute one as well. Um, it's just a really interesting film where it kind of starts off with him living life as a homeless man and also trying to come up with some money, you know, begging on the streets for money and performing music and whatnot to try and make money to finish the film that he's working on. So it's kind of like behind the scenes, like making of documentary of him trying to make this movie about this relationship that fell apart with this girl. And then at a certain point, that's all kind of not really working out too well for him. And then his other friend starts to help him out with the movie. So then it becomes kind of like this document of their friendship from the start and how they're, you know, working together on this movie. And it's really like them like rehearsing different scenes and multiple takes and just the way everything's kind of cut up and put together. It's really, really interesting. And I can't recommend it enough. Very meta. It's yeah. It's like it's like a film. You know how they have those like film within a film. Yeah. There's like nine films in this. It's just there's so much going on. I love movies like that. It's just it's so many different things. And the thing that I like about it, and I've always liked this about films, is it's really simple enough that you can just watch it, take it at face value, and it's just entertaining. Okay. You know, light comedy, some interesting stuff going on here and there. And you can just take it at face value and it's good in that sense. But then if you do want to go a little bit deeper and dig into it, that kind of stuff is there as well. Mm -hmm. 
Sounds like uh, similar to actor Martinez, which I saw at Tribeca, how that was put together. Well, it is interesting to think, too, that, you know, it does seem like nowadays that's what everyone's obsessed with, with this whole, like, docu-fiction hybrid, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, it's about making the movie that they're trying to make. Yep. And it's like, he did this back in 2012, and he did it big time. Where it's like them making a movie and then the movie's about them trying to fund the movie and trying to raise money for the movie by like crowdfunding, by busking on the street. And then it's also about this other movie that they're making, but it's also just about them hanging out as friends and recording it. Like there's so many things to it that yeah, predates this, a lot this, of that. Yeah, this definitely sounds interesting. So I highly recommend it. Cool. Uh, I saw Humanoids from the Deep. This is directed by Barbara Peters. This sounds awesome. <laughs> this is from 1980. This is, this is a classic creature feature. It's been a long time since I've seen a creature feature, at least I think. At least one that's kind of uh, a traditional man-in-suit creature feature, and that's what this is. It's sort of a Jaws ripoff. Basically, it's about this, uh, this small fishing village, uh, and they have this cannery that is looking to help uh, the fishermen like revitalize their their um, their trade by introducing these kind of like ho- these like hormones that they're injecting into the salmon to make them bigger and more plentiful or something. And of course, it goes wrong and they mutate and they're like these giant uh, humanoid monsters who they kill the, they kill the men and they impregnate all the women they come across. So they're, they're looking to mate. That's yeah. what they're doing. They're trying to mate. They're hunting women. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun, it's a cheesy, fun little uh, horror movie. Some pretty decent gore effects in this one. And uh, it has a really good score from James Horner, which I thought was very interesting. Because like, the, the intro music was playing, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And the credits were coming up, and it was like, composer james horner and i'm like what <laughs> <It's> weird <laughs> but uh yeah th- this one's this one's definitely worth a look it's it's cheesy it's it's a b movie but it's still very fun and it's uh, again called humanoids from the deep it's also known as monster so they're mermans sort of sort mermans of. that kill the men and rape the women mm-hmm. damn yep. that sounds dark as fuck yeah, that sounds uh, terrifying. Really, merman. It's pretty dark. Yeah, uh, it, it gets very, very gory at, at times. That's just really disturbing. And I, I, you know, I'm looking. I have Humanoids of the Deep up on here on IMDb. Going down through, guy plays Billy David Strassman. Look at the mm-hmm. picture. Look at the picture for him. Like what? What is? Like that's terrifying. David Strassman. Let me look him up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, that is very odd. It's just that scares me. He is a in in the movie, he has that doll. He he um there's a scene he gets killed and there's a scene where he's in a tent like getting ready to have sex with his girlfriend and the thing comes in and kills him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, that's terrifying. Um I watched uh several short films 
And the reasoning for this was um, a little while back, Filmmaker Magazine came out with their 25 new faces of film, like, it, you know, that they come out with every year. And there was a person on there, John Wilson. <clears throat> so he has a bunch of these short films on John johnsmovies.com. And this is actually how I came across watching KWAK because he has the first one that I watched was how to clean a cast iron pan or a day in the life of Ahmed Kawaja, which he's the director of KWAK. And uh, it's a short, it's only like five minutes. And it just looks like he took a shit ton of footage of Ahmed, just a day in his life where he's just, he cooks himself an egg in a cast iron pan and then does some, run some errands unsuccessfully. And it all, you almost get the sense that John Wilson took all this footage and then cut it together and then just played it and just did voiceover narration on the spot. Just created a story. Kind of, it works in certain places and then other places you can tell that it, it, you really get the sense of like, he's just, he's making it up right now. <laughs> he's just winging it. <laughs> he's just winging it. And it, it seems like he's kind of like, it almost feels like someone else cut the footage together because it seems like he's surprised by some of the footage. And you can tell like he's good. It, you get the sense where he's like the gears in his brain are working to try and come up, like to work it into the story. So uh, here's a couple of them. The, the one was how to clean a cast iron pan, which I watched, which is really funny. Uh, how to live with bed bugs, which he he takes you through um, bed bugs in New York City, and how to continue no. <laughs> continue God, living. No. And it's actually really interesting because throughout much of it, it's just it's just kind of funny, you know. And they like it, him and his roommates get bed bugs, and they try to bring in an exterminator and this and that, and they're trying to get rid of it and everything. And then it like the at the end, it actually takes this like a little investigative journalism turn where you actually kind of like learn about mattresses in new york city and what happens to them like when you put them out and you even spray paint on do not take them it has bed bugs and then someone comes along and takes them within like five minutes and they repurpose them and then sell them back to people oh god so (laughs) that's why there's bed bugs in new york city so i watched that one uh another one how to remain single which i also found pretty damn funny and he has a couple other ones on here that i have not I haven't gotten the scene yet, but just the whole the whole idea of what they are, because all three of those were essentially the same, where it's just like this footage and it's just like him. And it kind of it's his delivery is much like um, Kentucker Audley's video essays. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's kind of like that style. And it seems like he like I said, he's just making it up on the spot. Or at least that's that's what it feels like. And where can people watch those again? Uh, johnsmovies.com Okay, yeah, so I'll I'll kind of look into those, definitely. Uh, I saw The Purge Election Year. Ooh. Got to check out the, the third installment in The Purge series. Uh, I think I like this one the best out of all of them, actually. Uh, they, they did some really interesting things, and I, I like the idea of The Purge movies because they feel like, like modern B-movies. They feel like the type of movies that you would watch, like an old John Carpenter movie or something like that, uh, something that would come out in the in the eighties, where there's like this kind of near future where there's this crazy thing that's taking place and it's somehow legal and people take part in it. Uh, and and this one I, I thought was they introduced some kind of interesting 
uh, things into it. The first one being drones, like, you know, because drones are a big thing. So one of the things that some of the purgers would do in this one would be to fly drones to find people. And I thought that that would be definitely something that would happen in real life. Uh, the other thing was uh, they, they talked about uh, foreign people coming over here to purge. So they, they kind of explored the idea of people from other countries uh, deliberately coming over here and visiting on purge night to kill people. So it's like a tourism thing now. Yeah, yep, yep. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting uh, topic as well. And this one really went down the political road because it's all about this woman who she's a senator, I believe, and she's running for for president and she, like her platform is that she's going to get rid of the purge because when she was younger her family her entire family was killed on purge night and so her platform is to to get rid of it completely and then there's this kind of uh basically it's the the rich white people who are trying to kill her and it's definitely it definitely gets into like the kind of class like classism where it's it's all of the the lower class, the lower income people that are the ones that suffer because of the purge because they can't afford these high tech, you know, security systems and they can't afford to stay inside during this and and what have you. So they kind of explore that more. It's, it's they looked at it in the other ones, but they they really talk about it a lot in this one. Yeah. And I also noticed like there's more of a race thing in this one too, where it's all of the it's all like the upper class snooty white people that are basically controlling this this thing and it's always like the it's largely the the minorities that are suffering because of it so i thought that that was kind of an interesting uh thing to to include in this one as well yeah i mean it's not <laughs> it's the purge so you know, there's still a lot of really ridiculous shit that happens in it. But I had a good time with it. I was I was really surprised. Like this, the second one I thought was a little bit better than the first one, but I still wasn't really hot on it. And but this one I thought was was the best of the bunch. So I would actually recommend checking it out. The Purge Election Year. Just just know that it's a Purge movie, so it's gonna be ridiculous. So my expectations should be super high. Yeah, basically. A lot, of, a lot of long takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cerebral. Oh, I thought that this one actually looked the best of all of them, too, cinematography-wise. Like, it's very stylish. I mean, like, the the costumes that the people wear and the masks, and they have, like, these the guns, these really elaborate guns that are decorated and look completely ridiculous. Like, this one, this one group of... Uh, it was, like, a group of young girls that was driving around they had their entire car covered in christmas lights so like their whole car lit up and then they had these crazy suits on and a bedazzled <laughs> the, the girl had a bedazzled ak-47 <laughs> and it was just ridiculous but really fun at the same time just over the top that's yeah. kind of what you want with the purge mm-hmm. um Pretty much maybe the exact opposite of The Purge. I watched The Emperor Jones. This is a movie from 1933. Mm, okay. Directed by uh, Dudley Murphy. Trying to watch a little uh, little more of the old, the old films there. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched this one for Paul Robeson is in the lead. Uh, this is on Hulu Plus, 
by the way. This actually is a part of a Criterion box set that came out way back. This is a Paul, Paul Robeson box set. Um, in this, he plays Brutus Jones, who starts out as a, a Pullman porter. And the, the film, it's based on a Eugene O'Neill play. And the narrative of it is kind of a mess. It's a bit all over the place because he starts out as a Pullman porter. And then he gets into like some gambling with this guy that's like his friend. But he's also like involved with his friend's girlfriend. And then he ends up getting arrested. And he's on a chain gang. And then he kills a kills one of the warders on the chain gang. And then uh, he just swims out to a Caribbean island and then uh, becomes uh, essentially in charge of the Caribbean island. Becomes their uh, their ruler. Their emperor, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. You could say that he becomes an emperor. Hmm. Emperor, like they, they call him Emperor Jones. Oh. That makes okay. sense. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's all right. I mean, Paul Robeson's pretty good. I mean, outside of his performance, there's really not much here, um, except for two scenes in particular. When he, the the instance that he kills the the chain gang warder, it kind of goes into this like almost like handheld tracking shot of him like fleeing, which just looked amazing for the simple fact of you know up until that point, it, everything you know all the the static shots have been kind of basic. And this is the first time that it's actually like kind of moving and it feels kind of modern mm-hmm. in a sense. So it kind of catches you off guard and it looks great. And then there's a, a, a long sequence at the end where the, him being emperor, he becomes like a dictator really. And it's just awful to the people on the island and they kind of, they kind of turn on him and want to overthrow him. So he runs into the jungle to try and get away. And the, the jungle sets are all this like, deep blue tint and it has this kind of like dream and he has uh like he has visions and hallucinations and he's kind of losing his mind and it's it's all really interesting because again it feels pretty modern compared to everything else that's happening because the everything else in this movie is like all the characters most of the characters are, are black but the way in which they speak is that really irritating like how white people think black slaves talked. Oh, yeah. Where it's just that awful stereotype. They all, like, speak like that. Mm. It's just really irritating to have to watch for, you know, a little over an hour. Um, so, you know, everything, there's, there's so much of it feels so old, you know. And then there's these moments where it kind of breaks out, feels kind of modern. And those instances are great, but everything else is kind of eh. Okay. That's Emperor Jones on Hulu Plus. And I was also kind of surprised for 1933, like, they say the N word a lot. <laughs> like, a lot. Like, I, I, I don't know how, like, uh, taboo it was or politically incorrect it was to say that. Well, that's offensive, a, rather. Well, that's, and, you know, the first time they say it, I'm like, you know, it's like, what? This is kind of interesting because it's, it's predominantly black cast. So that's really interesting for 1933. And then they say it the first time, and I'm like, okay. You know, it's 1933. Kind of kind of makes sense. And then they just keep saying it over and over and over again. I'm like, wow, okay. I, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, keeping with the, the classics, I saw two 1313 movies. <laughs> They're just so 
sweet Jesus. Now I said when we when we did Ryan watches a movie last week, I said I did say I said I was gonna I was gonna watch uh, one of these, and I decided to watch two of them. I might even do. I was even thinking about doing like a retrospective on the site uh, on this series because it's just so weird. Uh, I I had no idea what these were about, other than the fact that I noticed that the cover of all of them involved shirtless men and then usually one older woman, Mm -hmm. at least one older woman on the cover with the the shirtless young men. And so these are all directed by, uh, what's his name? David Decoteau. Is it Mm -hmm. David? Um, and they all pretty much have the exact same plot. And that's, there is a mansion and a group of young men go to the mansion for some reason, and then they get killed, uh, in very non-threatening, non-violent ways. Because, like, they get killed, but you never really see it. There's, it's not like these, these movies are violent or anything like that. So the first one I watched was 1313 Cougar Cult. <laughs> uh, interestingly, this stars Linnea Quigley, uh, who you may know from... Well, she, she was a big scream queen in the 80s. Actually, the three, the three women in this were all big scream queens in the 80s. She was in like Return of the Living Dead. Uh, one of my favorites was Linnea Quigley's horror workout where she was doing aerobics and pretty much the whole time she was doing aerobics, her boob kept popping out. <laughs> that's, and that's it. That's the movie. Yeah, it was a, it was a workout tape. It was a workout VHS. <laughs> and it was just the, it's the funniest thing. If you can track down a copy of this, but so thirteen thirteen Cougar cult, it's a, these three, the witches, I guess. Uh, and they, need to they turn into cougars and by turn into cougars i mean there is literally a jpeg of a cougar face that appears over top of their face what so only the face turns into a cougar yeah so they still retain the body of a human yes yes and then they just have the jpeg cougar face yes and if you see it which you can find a clip of this on youtube uh, it is the most ridiculous thing you will ever see it's it's like birdemic levels of ridiculous uh, so they, they put out an ad for housekeepers, I guess. And these three, these three, uh, college guys come in and the, the movies, all of these movies are comprised of shirtless young men that go to this. It's all, and they're, they all take place in the same place too. They all take place in the exact same mansion and it's the, the furnishing is always the exact same. So it looks like. Uh, Dave Dakotu just rents this mansion that's like pre-furnished and just doesn't do anything. He just shoots there. And it, it just looks like the most generic, like all of the shit looks like it's like bought artwork at Pier 1 or whatever. It just looks so terrible. I, I read that uh, since the making of these movies, that mansion was actually torn down. <laughs> it was in, uh, yeah, it was in Santa Barbara. And it was I, like to, the, I like to think that it's someone trying to stop. It could be. And apparent, apparently a talking cat, which is what we had Ryan watch, that kind of sparked this whole thing. Apparently that was actually shot in that mansion, too. Whose mansion is it? That's what I want to know. We have a I mansion. Think I'm, when you, if you see it, you'll, I think it's a rental. Like I, I don't think that... Because it's huge, first of all. But the way that it's furnished, I don't think anybody actually lives there. I think it's definitely a rental. Hmm. But uh, at any rate, 
the other the other thing that's common throughout all of these is very long extended scenes of these men rubbing their chests so like they'll it'll be a shower scene and they'll just be rubbing their chest and i'm not kidding you the second one that i saw giant killer bees there's a scene where a guy i'm pretty sure that at least 30 minutes of this movie is chest rubbing there's one scene that goes on for 10 minutes He's in the shower for 10 minutes rubbing his chest. And it's- I do. I love the fact that even though, because I imagine that these giant killer bees, you know, they're attacking people. You know, it's, it sounds yeah, like it's a problem. It sounds like it's a problem. Is it, I mean, it's got to be a problem in some sense. Well, the, the, the giant killer bees one's great because it's these three college students, or it's, it's one specific college student who is working as a scientist and and they they go there and it's a house the mansion it's the same mansion full of these young guys it's one girl and then all these other young guys who are apparently scientists working on this uh to save the bees they're just a bunch of dudes trying to save the bees and they all they all walk around without a shirt on they all wear white briefs like white tidy whities okay all the same brand, like just straight up. They're all wearing these tidy whities Yeah. In all of the movies, not just Giant Killer Bees, all of them. All of them. And the first chest rubbing scene in Giant Killer Bees uh, is it involves a guy who he's outside, he's playing soccer with his boy, and he goes in and he lays down on the bed and he just he's just rubbing his chest for like ten minutes. And <laughs> while he's doing that. One of the giant killer bees is just watching him, and it waits until he's done rubbing his chest before attacking him and turning him into a zombie. These movies are these movies are indescribable. They are just they're they're baffling. They're baffling to me. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yep, I I just I can't. I can't understand it. And they don't even use soap when they're when they're in the shower, rubbing rubbing their chests. They don't use soap. They so it's like soap? there's no soap. So it's like I think you would be able to cut down on the length that you have to rub your chest if you just use some soap. That could yeah. that, that that'll you'll clean up quicker. But yeah, that's I mean that's just inefficient. But it's so funny because during the scenes, it's like the camera just pans up and down, up and down, up and down. And it like it goes down and it pans down real slow and you're like, uh oh, here we go, here's the money shot, but it stops right at their waist. So they're very tame too. It's there's no nudity, there's no sex. So they're all they're all very uh I'd say if they were rated, they'd be like a PG thirteen. Yeah. They're, there's no like uh no no swearing, no violence. So they're they're very tame. And I read that the reason that they're called, because I was curious why they're called 1313, it's, it's so that they rank higher on VOD lists. So when you look at streaming services, they'll be number one, because they're called 1313. Wow. Yep. That's, that is the only reason that they're called 1313, is so that they appear higher on VOD lists. Because these movies, I learned, were specifically made for streaming services. They used to all be on Netflix. They're not anymore, but they used to be all on Netflix. And it's just this weird fetish thing of people, dudes rubbing their chest. Yeah, it's so weird. It's such such a bizarre thing. 
And he's done, he made all of those. So the 1313 series is done, and now he's working on one called 666. So that's his new series that he's working on. But they're, like, really boring. Like, that's the thing. They're so terrible, but they're, they're really boring, and they're all the same. So I feel like if you, if you watch one, just watch one. I would recommend Giant Killer Bees. Okay, that one scene just sounds amazing. I just want to see, you know, a guy rubbing his chest after a game of yeah. soccer and a bee just like, I'm just, I'm going to wait. It just, it just watches him. I'm going to at least let him. Because I wonder if the bee's just like, if the bee's worried that he's like having a heart attack or something. He's like, oh shit, like his chest hurts, maybe. Uh, you know, if you off the situation, then after a while, he's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to take him out. <laughs> yeah, and maybe, I don't know. They're just trying to say, do they save the bees though? That's what that's I need to know that. They all get they all get stung. And for some reason when you get stung, you turn into a zombie and then the one guy escapes. (laughs) Well, I mean, kind of makes sense if you're not wearing shirts and nothing but tidy ways. You know. Well, the other interesting thing is there was a scene where the one guy was in the shower rubbing his chest, another guy that, that already got stung goes in to the bathroom. And, and the guy turns around and he sees him and he goes, hey, mind if uh, you get my back? And so the guy starts like rubbing his back while he's rubbing his own chest. And at first I'm like, if one of my friends or, or these are, they're not friends, they're coworkers. I mean, these yeah. are coworkers. If one of my coworkers walked into the bathroom while I was in the shower, I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, get out of here. But now he's cool with it. But then, so the guy bites him and turns him into a zombie. Oh, shit. Damn. And first of all, there's no, there's no like makeup effects or anything. These are just regular people. Do they just, uh, do they just appear like a little bit more slow? Yeah, they, they just kind of look, the way that they stand, they kind of look lethargic. Mm, okay. So he gets bitten by the other guy. And then the next scene, they show them both standing poolside wearing their tidy whities So. One could only assume that he got bit, turned into a zombie, then put on the tidy whities afterwards as a zombie and went down to the pool. So the zombie is two things. So even if when you become a zombie, number one, you're still worried about hygiene because it sounds like he at least finished up the shower. And then number two is still kind of self-conscious about your body that you're going to put tidy whities on. Because you would think, like, at that point, if you're a zombie, you don't... Who, you don't care. You don't, you don't give yeah, a shit. You're not thinking about anything. You're just, like, thinking brains or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's, again, baffling. These movies, <laughs> I doubt that I will move forward with my retrospective. I think two is enough. You're going to call it quits. Yeah. Jeez. If you want to see something weird, I would say ch- check one of these <clears throat> 1313 movies out because they're very strange. I think you could probably just watch because there, there is a, there's a um, Dakota's production company or whatever they have their own youtube channel and you can watch trailers for all of these so check out the trailers and i think that'll be enough yeah that's all i got i, got, I don't know if i can follow up 13 13 you know what i mean uh i'll try to blast through these a uh, couple others uh i saw suicide squad uh a big disappointment this one is it better than 1313 uh yeah i would say okay. it is <laughs> uh but it's not good. It's it's not good. I I feel like it was such a wasted opportunity because I liked the characters, I liked the casting of the characters, and I thought that they were all very interesting. Everybody on the Suicide Squad team was 
pretty interesting. I didn't like Killer Croc and what they did with him, but it wasn't really a character thing. It was more of just uh, a, a poor writing thing. Yeah. Um, and once, see, the thing is, like, I, I knew, I heard that this was pretty bad. Like, by the time I saw it, uh, the, the early reviews were out and they were saying it's not, this, this is no good. So I had no expectations going into it. <clears throat> and I got to say, like, for the first maybe 15 to 20 minutes, I was into it. I was like, oh, I don't know what people are talking about. This is, this is solid. I'm really into this. But then they introduced the villain who is horrible. And at that point, it started lose, losing me big time. And by the end, I was just like, what a, what a squandered opportunity. This movie is such a convoluted, nonsensical mess. I was, I can't even, I don't understand how they looked at this, like the final cut of this. And we're like, yep, that's it. That's the one. Because from what I understand, they did all these reshoots and stuff. And there were like three different cuts of this movie. And it's like, this is the one you picked. This is, this does not work. This does not work. None of this makes sense. And like, you have such an easy thing that you can do here. Make it, make it small scale. You don't have to go big with it, but they tried to go big. And that was part of the problem. Like with all these superhero movies, you always have like the giant beam that goes up into the sky and there's like aliens coming down and the world's about to explode. And it's like, we don't need that in this movie. Uh-huh. They, they tried to do it and it ruined everything. Yeah. It seems like they do that in all of them. Yeah, it, they it just kind of have like the same climax. Yeah, and it, and it, they tried to do that in this, and it just didn't work uh, because the villain was lame, and it just uh, it, it didn't need it. It this this is a movie that begged for a smaller scale, uh, lower stakes, um, you know, uh, conflict, and it just it really really fell flat, and the the character development was really poorly done too, which was also a shame because like i said a lot of the characters like margot robbie's harley quinn was a great choice uh ben affleck shows up as batman for a couple scenes and i still think that he he's a great batman and it has me it it upsets me because it's like ben affleck he's looking at these reviews and he's like god what a mistake what a fucking mistake but it's like I hope he realizes, Ben Affleck, if you're listening, it's not your fault. You're not the one that is ruining these things. Uh, Jared Leto is... Yeah, of course. Uh, Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. She was a great choice. She she did a great job. I mean, all the actors in this were fine. Will Smith is Deadshot. It was good. It was that was on point. It, it was it was a good choice to cast him in that role because he was great. But it's just the the plot, the dialogue, everything about that was so poorly executed. The editing was sloppy, and it's just uh, it's yeah, it's a real shame. So I can't recommend Suicide Squad. We have a review for this up on the site. I think Blake gave it a four out of ten. He he wasn't into it either. So what would you uh, get if you had the if you had to score this some bitch? I give it. A, I gave it two on Letterboxd, so I'd be sitting somewhere. I'd probably be like a three and a half or a four for me. Yeah, it was. It was just such a wasted opportunity, just squandered. Um, I saw a movie called The Lost Arcade. Now on Letterboxd, it's listed as The Last Arcade, 
but it's actually called the Lost Arcade. <laughs> this is a, I'll be really brief with this one. It's a documentary about uh, Chinatown Fair. Now, okay. have you been to Chinatown Fair with, I think, I think you probably have, the arcade in, in Chinatown? Pretty sure. Yeah. This is about that arcade. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of talks about the, the people that would go there and it closing and it talks about the history behind the arcade. And I didn't know it, but the dance, you know, the dancing chicken from that Herzog movie is one of his earlier movies, which I didn't see. But there was a famous scene that just randomly had this dancing chicken. That's from Chinatown Fair. Okay, okay. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But um, it kind of goes behind the history of this, and then it's, it's closed uh, a few years ago. And, and so the, the, it documents the last night that it's opened and then it it later somebody bought the or rented the property and reopened it as a new arcade and kind of how it's different and how it doesn't feel the same and stuff like that and it just kind of follows around some of the people that work there and that were patrons there and it's it's really well done but i think like for me i'm not going to write a review on this or anything because i had like kind of a personal connection to that place and I just don't, I, I, I really don't know if someone who hasn't been there before, if they would get the same out of it. I think maybe it's a place, it's a very specific documentary. It tries to be broad. It tries to get into um, kind of the philosophy behind video game arcades and why people love them and why people went to them in the first place. And yeah. kind of the, the fact that they're, uh, they're not, there's hardly any of them around anymore. But it's still very specific to Chinatown Fair. Yeah. But at any rate, it's it's good. It's coming out this week, so I want to check that out. And the only other one I'll mention is called Mind's Eye or The Mind's Eye. It's uh, from Joe Bagos. He's the guy who did Almost Human, which uh, tie-in here had uh, Donald in it in an acting role. Was it Donald Treeback? No. <sighs> at, le- at least I don't think so. I don't really remember him in it, but I well, noticed yeah, I can't. Really... There's no way that's Donald Treepack that. Because if it was Donald Treepack, you would definitely remember. Yeah. So the Mind's Eye is so if you saw Almost Human, that was basically a sort of homage to the thing. The Mind's Eye, at least to me, was a an homage to Scanners, the Cronenberg film. And so it's about a group of uh, telekinetic people who are being experimented on by this kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a, like it's maybe a loosely tied government agency, like loosely tied to the government, but it's really just this kind of research institute. And they break out and they try to escape, basically. It's okay. I didn't think that it was anything special. There was some cool practical effects in it. Uh, but other than that, it was kind of, it was like meh. It was a meh for me. There's a lot of, a lot of heads exploding and stuff. Very, very Scanners-esque. Uh, Larry, Fat, uh, Larry Fassenden's in it. So it's, I always like to see cameos from him and wonder how he's going to get killed. Because <laughs> he always gets killed. Anytime you see a cameo from Larry Fassenden, you know he's going to get it. Uh, Noah, Noah Segan's in it. He does a good job. Jeremy Gardner, the director of The Battery, he's in it. Mm. Um, and Lauren Ashley Carter, 
who was in Darling and Jug Face. Yeah. He was in Darling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's, got, it's a veritable who's who of indie horror in this one. Gotcha. And it's just, unfortunately, it's just kind of average. It's got this, like, kind of synth score. It takes place in, I think, 1991, so it's kind of a throwback. And it, it's okay. I mean, looking at what's available now as far as, like, new horror movies, there's not much out there. So I would maybe say it might be worth a look. There's, there's some really cool uh, special effects in it so i'd say maybe check it out for that if you're into kind of uh advanced gore effects but yeah that's the mind's eye that's on vo on vod so you can check it out there all right let's uh move on and talk about some predictions last week suicide squad you said 52 i said 68 actual 26 wow yeah yep (laughs) it's it's unfortunate nine lives you said zero. I said ten. Actual four. <clears throat> so you actually won that one. I wonder who liked it. Hmm. Uh, there was. I think I did. I did look this up. It was. Um, who liked it? It was. Uh, it was a pretty big publication. I can't remember if it was the Village Voice. Because it had to be some of those. Just like it's a talk. Yeah, baby. Yeah. It's not yeah. that bad. That's kind of that's kind of what it was. There actually weren't that many reviews for this one because they did not screen it for critics. So most critics were just like, "Fuck it, I'm not gonna bother. <laughs> I'm not gonna pay to go see this." I don't. I don't blame them. No, I don't. I don't blame them at all either. Cert- we we certainly didn't send anybody to see it. I like to think that we did, and that person was just like, "No, sorry, <laughs> sorry guys, I can't do it." Yeah, it, it's uh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about nine lives. <laughs> just I like the the poster where it has like the me and an arrow pointed. Yeah, <laughs> me. Uh, just awful. MTV. Next week, yeah, okay. Amy Nicholson from MTV. Yeah, that's it. MTV. And I just love that. <laughs> He's like, yes, nine lives is done. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, at least you recognize it. I think people can have fun with dumb movies too. But I don't know. You're trying to be. You're trying to give an objective opinion. You know, as objective as you can. And I just, I don't know. Anyway, she had to be. She had to be drunk. Probably. I think probably. that's the only way in which you can enjoy yourself. And like, if I was, if I was drunk and watching Nine Lives, I'd probably like it. I'd probably yeah, have a good time. Probably make me laugh. <clears throat> Next week. We have Sausage Party. I can't wait until this is over and gone. <laughs> uh, I, heard, I heard that it's really good. I heard that it is absolutely hilarious. I just, the, side, the side mouths really they irritate me for some reason. Mm. Like mm-hmm. the hot dog rolls with the side mouths. Because mm-hmm. it, it's just, I don't know why. It's just such a stupid looking movie. And not in a sense of like, oh, it's dumb, it's talking food and stuff. It's just like artistically the way it looks. Mm. Just looks like absolute shit to me. Well, I think it's supposed to look like a kid's movie, and that's that's part of the Yeah, I know. I mean it just reminds me of Food Fight. <laughs> like it, it's just whatever. I just I don't know how they like how do you have enough for a whole movie? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. This currently has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 
Yeah, apparently from from all the little from all the reviews that I've read so far, it's like a, a nonstop laugh riot. Oh boy! So we'll see. I'll I'll be checking it out. I'm I'm interested in it. What are you thinking on Sausage Party? I have no, <laughs> I don't know what to think anymore. We got we had nine lives last last week, and now we got <laughs> Sausage Party, and I just I don't know what the hell's going mm. on anymore. I just don't understand the world. I'm gonna say like a. 74. 74? Alright, I'll say 86 on that one. Okay. And we also have Pete's Dragon. Pete! Pete got himself a dragon. I never saw the original Pete's Dragon. I saw it ages ago. I don't... I remember very little. I remember I didn't like it. But, I uh, the, uh... I watched the trailer to this, yeah. and I'm not interested at all. I'm not interested either, even though it's, uh, directed by David Lowry. Yeah. Which is, that's... That's surprising to me. That's just yeah, that, that, that's bizarre. That's Disney. That's that's Disney grabbing up the uh, the indie directors and having them do big things. But <clears throat> Pete's Dragon is not going to be good. And do you know why I know this? Why? Because Wes Bentley's in it. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I like Wes Bentley. It's unfortunate. <laughs> Wes Bentley cannot act at all. I like Wes Bentley. It's just, that's a shame. All right. What do you... Th- uh, oh, I'll, I'll do this one. I'll say 68. I'll say... Um, 64. All right. Uh, then we have Flor- Florence Foster Jenkins. So the one with Meryl Streep. What? Yeah. Florence? Florence Foster Jenkins. It's a terrible name for a movie. It is. I've been seeing posters for it uh, out and about, but I don't know. <clears throat> it's a period piece, I believe, but I don't know what the hell it is. It's got some Hugh Grant action in there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What are you thinking on this one? I don't know anything about it. I literally have no idea what it's even about. A wealthy New York heiress attempts to become an opera singer despite her horrible singing Oh, voice. okay. Yes, I have seen trailers for this one. This is apparently a biopic, so I guess this, yeah. this was interesting enough to make a movie out of it, apparently. So I'm going to say 52. Okay. It looks awful. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say 48 on that one. Uh, I think that these next ones that I'm going to go over are in limited <clears throat> release. So we're not, I, I really don't know. There's a shitload of stuff coming out this week. We got Hell or High Water. That's the crime drama with uh, Jeff Bridges. Looks uh, mildly interesting. I think Chris Pine's in that one. Okay. We have Bloodfather. That's the new one with Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson making a comeback. He's he's hoping he's hoping that people forgot. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll probably skip this one. It, it's interesting. Like the last. Mel Gibson movie that uh, Gringo won. That was actually pretty good. So I don't. I don't know. Uh, the the other trailer, the trailer for his next uh, directorial effort, came out this week. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. It's um, I already forgot the name of the damn thing. It's a World War II movie, I believe. Looks pretty interesting. Uh, we have Anthropoid mm-hmm. with uh, Killian Murphy. We have Collide. How far would you go for the one you love? Collide. I don't know anything about. Seems like they go all the way and collide with whatever it is that they're 
Yeah. Going after. Uh, Disorder. And then in parentheses, it says Marilyn. Yeah, that was originally called. That's by the, uh, the woman that co-wrote Mustang. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I got an email uh, about that. Uh, what? Oh, my God. What's that guy's name? Bullhead. Oh, Matthias. Uh, Showing Arts. Yeah. Showing Arts. Yeah, he's in that one. Oh, okay. Is it the one? It came out a while ago. Or yeah, I guess that... I played festivals a couple years back, I think. Yeah, with uh, Diane Kruger. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? We have Edge of Winter. I saw this one. I didn't mention it because it's not very good. With uh, Joel Kinnaman. Not very good at all, and it's not really worth talking about. Joshi, I'm interested in this one. It's with uh, Thomas Middleditch, and there's like a ton of people, like Alex Ross Perry's in it. Okay. A lot of a lot of interesting uh, comedic people in that one. So I'll be checking that out. It's an indie comedy. Operation Chromite. I have no idea what that is. Right. Uh, a comedy called Ghost Team that looks pretty bad. A thriller called The Model. Uh huh. My Best Friend's Wedding? What the hell's that? Is that like a remake or something? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, the Lost Arcade. Oh, man. I think that's... Excuse me. That's it. Excuse me. No. There's so many next week. Just... I don't understand. Next week on VOD, we have Women He's Undressed on... That's Tuesday, August 9th. That's a documentary about a, I think it's a fashion designer. And I don't know. I can't remember <laughs> which one. I feel like there's a lot of documentaries about fashion designers. It does seem like they, that, was a, that was a thing. Yeah. A little while ago. And then Friday, August 12th, we have Amateur Night and Joshi. Okay. So again, I'd say check out Joshi. It looks interesting. On Blu-ray next week, August 9th, we have oh, Basket Case 3, The Progeny is getting a re-release. Uh, that's probably on Shout Factory. I'm interested in that, or Scream Factory, rather. Uh, yeah, Basket Case 2 is also getting a re-release. Baskin, that's the Turkish horror movie that we saw a while back. A Hologram for the King, that's the Tom Hanks one that is apparently pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. The the James Franco series eleven twenty two sixty three the one that was on uh, I think it was on Hulu right yeah uh, that's coming out on Blu ray I actually watched that I enjoyed it that was pretty good okay I was thinking about watching that one it seemed interesting it is it is uh, it's pretty interesting I was worried about the payoff because it was setting itself up to be like a really shitty payoff but I thought they did a pretty good job with it Arrow Video is releasing the female prisoner Scorpion. Uh, complete collection, so I'm actually kind of interested in that because I haven't seen any of those. Nice. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, not a whole lot next week. Okay. Do so, you have anything on uh, the old Criterion front? Uh, the Criterions that are coming out on Tuesday are none. Yeah, I don't see any on here. It's, uh, I feel like they're taking a couple weeks off. Yeah, kind of slacking. Slacking, guys, come on. <laughs> slacking Criterion. Jeez. All right. Well, I think that that is going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. 
to Kevin Rickstraw. My name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Thank you.